Hello and welcome back to The Art of Growth, where we've been doing a bit of a focus here for a while on context matters, how the context that our life is in, the setting that we are in, really influences our ability to do the inner work that changes our life's experience to head in the direction we want to do. And this month, we are doing a focus on a uh, Money Matters series called Making Money Work for You, because that's a big one that really impacts our capacity to function on ways that we don't even see until we're free. And then we really see how much of an influence it had on us. So we brought in Sean Cook from Advocate Wealth Management. And this is our third in the series. And this one is about starting to build after you've recovered, setting a direction, setting a trajectory. And you can sign up for the class that Sean is going to be teaching through The Art of Growth following this series on our website right now, theartofgrowth.org. Under the classes and events tab, drop down thingy, there's this class called Making Money Work For You, and you can sign up. It will be the six weeks following this podcast series starting in August 22. And we're doing that because the podcast series is a lot about the emotional experience and some practical information, but that will be actually practical setting your plan, working with Sean, working with other people in the Art of Growth community who are trying to do this work at the same time. So without further ado, let's get on to a conversation between Sean Cook, Joel Hubbard, and myself, Jim Zartman, in part three of our Making Money Work For You series. So we set up in the first episode that the most important part of thinking through our finances and everything else is about our values, our priorities, our why of our life, not just the what we're executing on. And last time we were talking about, you know, getting out of the hole, getting out of a bad spot, how we have to go about doing that. But then I think, you know, some people, they get out and they're like, oh, okay, I'm good. You know, so this is about, okay, we're on the flat ground now. We're on stable ground now. We're not in the hole. We've built, we've even got a little foundation under us. What do we do now? Where do we go from here? Yeah. And the next steps is moving from survival, like we talked Mm -hmm. about, towards desire. So the foundational pieces we set before, part of the process is always going back to the drawing board and saying, is this still what matters? So if debt was your number one goal before, that's off your list. You took care of it. Now what's the goal? Now where are we headed? What's important? What has changed since we were kind of climbing out of the hole like we talked about? So I think part of the problem is a a lot of people, once they get out and they're on level ground, they start just moving forward with the what before even going back to the why and reevaluating and making sure that everything is heading towards a purpose, towards that priority, towards the goals they've laid out to accomplish in their life. And that what is... And the what is whatever they've been told. As an example, right? You have a 23-year-old kid, just graduated college, young adult now, starting their first job, ready to go, excited. Their parents help them through college. They have no debt. So they're starting level Mm. ground. What do they do next? It depends on who's giving them advice, right? It could be buy a house, invest right away. Could be put your money in your 401k. Could be, you know, make sure you're taking lots of vacations before kids come. It mm-hmm. could be the advice is endless on what you could be being told is important at that stage. So making sure you set the, the priorities, you set the foundation again at that level ground stage is crucial so that what you're moving towards is the life you want, not what's being set for you by society or your debt and survival mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because some people don't think about it. It's just an automatic, well, this is what you do next. Yeah. They do. And and I think the, 
<laughs> I think the important thing is to understand how much is out there and what options you could go down. So when you get out of debt and then you're on level ground, the question is, do I invest? Do I buy? Do I need insurance? Do I have an estate plan? Where do we go and how do I decide how to get there? Mm. And it's so tailored to you and your situation. There's not a one-size-fits-all answer. Mm. Even when you whittle down on the individual things. So are you a W-2 employee somewhere? Are you a business owner? If you are a W-2 employee, you're going to have a very specific route you may follow, right? If you're an entrepreneur and you're a 1099 and you kind of pick and choose what benefits to give yourself, you have a whole different route you can go down. And a lot of people, again, take this untailored advice approach and they just start going. Mm. And they end up in a route that isn't beneficial or isn't maximizing what they can get out of their situation. Mm. So they might buy a house. They might say, well, that's what we have to do. We have to buy, I have to buy a house. And that's, again, doing the what without having thought about the why. The why. Yeah. And then six months later, they buy the car. Yep. Right. And then <laughs> six months later, they have the kid. Kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now, again, even if you really wanted all those things, yep. that now owns you. Now you're 25, <laughs> right? For that one example we're talking about, you've yeah. got a kid, a house, and a car. generations. <laughs> Correct. Maybe not so well, if you're someone that started without debt, that's yeah. more of a plausible, it, it's more possible depending on what you're stepping into. Not your average person is right. stepping into that. Yes, yeah. that's correct. But yeah, so like you, you step into that decision and that decision now is your box that you're stuck in. Mm. At least until you reprioritize and make decisions to head down a path you actually care about. So a, a lot of what I do is helping them reevaluate those stages and getting to know the detail and the minutia of what matters. Most often, clients don't know those things until we've had the conversations in a weird way yeah. because they haven't been asked and it hasn't been drilled down because they've had an assumption. Why aren't we asked? I don't see that being part of our the norm or the culture where it's like actually stopping at that point, being like, okay, you're on level ground. What do you want to build? I mean, back to some of our earlier discussions, everyone's selling something, right? So why would <laughs> right. they pause to tell you to think about it instead of telling you to sell something or buy something? Because that adds to the GDP, that adds to, you know what I mean? So there, there's a whole bunch of reasons why that's not the focus. But more importantly, you dictating your own future as a type eight, going back to the Enneagram, I'm, I want to dictate my future. <laughs> right. I don't want someone else to dictate. I want to have control over those decisions. And as the social part of me, I want to make sure everyone else does as well. So it's kind of a how I approach the situation to make sure you're doing things with purpose. You're doing things with meaning that will get you to the life that you care about, not what someone else wants you to choose or wants you to do uh, kind of down that path. I feel like part of the problem is just bad education. Mm. A lot of people that end up in that situation, the conversation you have at school is at an age where you don't care. Yeah. So I taught a finance course at a university to 18-year-olds. They're adults. Yeah. They have college loans, but they don't understand. Yeah, yeah. And they don't really care at that stage. I might have had five kids out of 100 that really cared about the subject at the time. Wow. I'm sure everyone will leave school and say, hey, no one taught me about finance. Yeah. Well, were you talking about like even understanding things like investments and the market? Correct. And all this stuff? Okay. How to buy a car for the first time. How do you evaluate buying a car? Yeah. How do you evaluate, you know, just going through some of the basics, but it, that's reading a textbook and getting a grade and moving you forward towards a career you care about right. while you're being a college kid and enjoying life and doing all the other things that, again, are coming in on you. So is that mm. something you're really paying attention to if it's not your career expertise or what you're trying to move towards? Not really, right? I, I think part of it is we're not ready for that advice sometimes when it comes. 
when your parents tell you things at a young age about what you're going to need in the future, your first response yeah. is usually like, oh my God, I don't need yeah. to hear this from you. <laughs> right? But even at ours is 11, even at this stage, we are having those conversations where it is very much the purpose. It's very much the why, even at this age. And it's difficult. It's not an easy thing because, of course, he's not interested in any of this. But remarkably, he has decided that he likes money and he likes having the ability to buy certain things. And so my wife devised this excellent thing where it's like you do these chores and then you make this amount of money. And if you get into debt because you bought something that means you borrowed money from me, then you have to pay it back. <laughs> and it's remarkable that that whole thing is working for him That's where he great. knows cool. it. He keeps that. the money in mind. And he's like, I owe, I still owe $5. And then when he gets out of that debt, then there's like, my wife cheers him and celebrates him. So the stuff is working because we're trying to also aim it towards what is it that he desires? What mm. is it that he really wants in life? And we're pointing out to him areas of where his interests are. Like we can tell your interests are in this space. So in order for you to really achieve that, there are certain things that you're going to need to do. And so that is something that I think you're right in the sense that when they're given unsolicited advice or when they're given advice that feels to them like this is externally put onto me, it's one thing. And then it's another thing when it's really digging more deeply at what is it that you desire to do? You know, I have a five-year-old. My son, uh, Atlas, is a character. He's hilarious. He's smart. He's funny. And when I'm talking to him about some of these things, even though he seems to understand because he's very sharp and he remembers everything, <laughs> what he's remembering is his interpretation of it. So he will utilize <laughs> what we say yeah, yeah. and bring it back up later to use it as a tool to get what he wants. Not in the complexity that we think he understands it. He's understanding it from his context as a five-year-old, mm. right? So, like, part of the problem is, like, in that context, it may make sense. But by the time you're 30 years old— It's not going to make as much sense. The context is going to yeah. be entirely different yeah. at that stage. So, That's a good point. So we, yeah. need, we need this progressive learning, this mm. progressive mm. unfolding of complexity so that we can move forward to the right steps. Because when you're told about what the Fed is doing with interest rates right now— and you're 18, do you care? Right. Are you buying a house? No. Okay. Are you, how does this impact you? And if it doesn't impact you at that stage, you're not going to pay attention. Right. So I think part of it is this unfolding of how information gets to you when and when you're ready to receive it. That's a part of it. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Are there categories that you think of when you're talking to people who are starting out in life, maybe in their 20s, 30s, who are starting to get maybe completely out of debt or maybe even if they're in their 40s or 50s, just getting out of debt. And now they're saying, what's next for me? Are there sort of categories that you think of where you're going to want to make sure we talk about these four or five things? Yeah. So I, I think from my perspective, once we've laid a foundation on what matters, I sound like a broken record because it is still the most important thing. Uh, if you're someone that has kids, my conversation with you is very different. Mm. If you have kids and you don't have an estate plan, I think you're making a big mistake because that means you want the government to control decisions if something happens. And no offense, this is not an offensive thing towards the government. It just means would you rather control what happens to your kids and your assets or would you want someone else to make those decisions for you? I would always rather my clients make those decisions for their kids and for their, who's going to be the guardian, right? That's a big deal. I mean, anyone that's a parent out there, and you're wondering who's going to take care of your kid if something happens, that's something you get to choose. Hmm. Um, and just saying it to someone else doesn't mean it's going to happen. 
So you got to put it in writing. You got to have a plan put in place. Mm. So that's a specific piece of advice that would go towards parents. If you're someone that's uh, single, I've got clients that are, you know, young, working in the city, got a great paying job. What do I do now? Mm. Um, so then we walk through, well, what are the next few layers? Are you looking to buy a place? Are we saving towards an investment? Are we working towards retirement? Mm. So we kind of open up the different vehicles that are available for how we should be spending, what we should be protecting, what are the different uh, options available. So investing is obviously a part of it. Asset protection is a part of it. So that's something as simple as whether that's the estate planning or insurance, even as simple as like everyone you know, if you have a car and a house, you've got car and house insurance, right? How do we get to those decisions? So it's evaluating kind of all the decisions that you're going to be confronted with. And then the other part of that, that impacts everything. You know, one of my favorite movies is Meet Joe Black. Have you guys seen Mm -hmm. Meet Joe Black? The only thing that's certain. Death and taxes. Death and taxes, right? Taxes and death are the things you got to plan around, right? How long off is that? And when am I going to be dealing with taxes and and how much am I going to deal with taxes? So why you choose— I like to be in denial about (laughs) death and taxes. And taxes, right? right? (laughs) And they're both crucial to how we make all these plans. So once you go into the wealth building mode, those two things kind of impact everything. Mm. Why you invest in the account you invest in is a taxable decision. That's the only reason. That's the only difference between an IRA and a taxable account and a 529 and all the different options that are out there are all just tax-purposed. You're investing in the same stuff with different tax reasons. That's it. And it's so funny. It, you hear this and it starts going in this direction and it's like, wow, this is really nerdy or complicated or over my head. I could feel like the overwhelm. But why it's, I think it's so important is just the number of people I meet who are, you know, maybe they're in their early 30s and they're like, oh, no, I've bought all these purchases now that I'm committed to. And I don't actually think I even want to be in this job. And I'm not even sure I'm with the right partner. And then all of a sudden, I'm having to dismantle a life. Mm. And so I think when we, we go this approach, you're less likely to be put in a position where you actually have to dismantle a life yes. in order to actually build one. Uh, well said. Yes, 100%. I, I think if you build it right the first time, <laughs> right, you're uh, going to be less likely to have to dismantle and redo, unbuild a life to rebuild a life on that side. I think the first thing a lot of people don't do is just have a savings account. Mm. Sounds simple. But what happens if you do have a major expense? I think it was Andrew Yang who would tout the thing about how I think it was like 80% of Americans or whatever couldn't pay a $500 unexpected car repair. Yep. So when it comes to even, let's talk savings for a second. Yeah. Like, how do you even think about savings? What's like an appropriate way to even start to think about that? Yeah. So savings has, again, some complexity around it. Yeah, exactly. Unless we want to go with the approach of everyone do the same thing, which mm-hmm. I, you, as you can understand, I don't like that approach. Right. So let's pretend that doesn't exist as, as the option of tell everyone to do the same thing. Yeah. So some of the things you need to consider when deciding how much in savings you need and what type of savings you need is number one, how steady is your job? Mm. So if you're an entrepreneur and you have a low summer and a busy fall, you might need to keep a little more on hand. Your cash flow is way more important and you might be in a riskier riskier situation from a, is this consistent? How consistent is it? What is the likelihood I'm going to be cash poor in three months? Got it. Versus I work a government job. They don't fire anyone ever. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not worried. Right. Right. Different situations on how much cash those two, two individuals need to keep on hand. Got it. 
What is your normal spending amount? Going through the purpose, priorities, vision, goals, looking at your budget, going through the detail, the minutia of your budget and knowing what you spend on a regular basis and having an agenda for your money means now I know what you spend monthly. Mm-hmm. And if I know what you spend monthly, I can tell you how much you need on hand based on the budget items yeah. that we've laid out. So normally the range is between three and six months for most people. Of expenses. Of expenses. In cash, on hand. In cash, on hand, not invested, at least not in a risky investment or an illiquid investment. So that would mean like, you know, not having it in something you can't pull it right back out of. Right. A lot of people think like, you know, well, I've got in a 12-month CD or I've got it in a dot, 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 fill in the blank with a different option. You still can't touch it and get any interest out of it. So understanding how much liquidity you need in a given time frame is the most important part of it. And if you don't have a budget, you don't really know how much you need. Right. Most of the time when I'm mm. asking people about their budget to begin with, like how much do you spend in a month? Most people way underestimate how much they spend. Yeah. There's lots of tracking tools out there now that help whether you have Mint or you have something with your bank that you can track some of that stuff. You can. And yeah. you should be. Yeah. You should at least at least have an understanding of, I like a 90-day window. If you know what you did mm. in the last three months, that's your run rate. So that's better than looking at like a month to month. Yep. Like looking at a three-month span. A three-month span. That still won't encompass everything. But once you kind of get in into it, so like I use a software that we can look at year over year, month over month, the differences as we move forward. Yeah. And you can do that in some of the tracking software, Mint, like you've said, and a couple of the other ones that are out there. But early on, before you get there where it's consistent, mm. 90 days is kind of the key number to use as like, a, mm. here's what you're doing. Again, that doesn't include like if you pay your taxes annually or it doesn't include like your annual car sticker amount and some of those things that are yeah. one-time expenses that you – so you got you to gotta build a buffer in for those random expenses or a sinking fund as yeah. we call it. And there's a lot of things that I didn't know. Like when you start thinking of things and actually looking at this, like by moving and paying my car insurance six months at a time, I saved myself like 500 bucks a year. It's usually a percentage, like a flat – Percent. A, if you pay up front, huge. you save money. I didn't, and I didn't know that. So you made 5%. Yeah, it's crazy. And I think no one ever told me this. Yeah. Like no one told me any of this stuff. And so it's like actually starting to get some knowledge about this. So saving. So there's like the general is like understanding your expenses over a three month period time. of time. That's a really good, like, just understand this is getting the data end. And then, you know, we, we've dealt with some of the emotional stuff and now we're getting into the data stuff of like, okay. And then having this much cash on hand, you, you said this before, you're like, I, it's impossible for me to really give someone advice if I don't know kind of the situation and the goals. Cause so many of the things that I'd come across previously in my life, it was always a one size fits all. Yep. You know, you do this, then you do this and you take this step. And like, if you're an entrepreneur, you're like, you're, it's a good point. Like the cash flow will be different at different points in time. I heard a couple of investment guys, they're like, well, because of this market and this market and this thing is going on, I'm keeping more cash on hand because that's going to allow me to invest in this way in which I can't if I keep it tied up in this thing. And I'm just going, oh my God. And, and I think like, this is all still part of building the life you want. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Because, because we're dealing with complexity now. Oh, yeah. Right. We move from simple survival mode, which is like. And it is simple. Survival it's, is simple. You pay X, try to get down on Y. What else can I do? I'm mm. do whatever I need to do to get that accomplished. Yeah. Once you've accomplished it, the it like it opens up like a flower. Now you have like, okay, now where do we go? Like I was saying, your situation dictates so much. What your goals that you're trying to accomplish. Are you trying to be a real estate mogul? Are you trying to buy a franchise? 
Yeah. Are you trying to just buy a townhome or a condo, right? All those situations are going to have different advice around them because then you need to keep different amounts of cash on hand or have different, different amount of liquidity, even if it's invested, which there are ways <laughs> you can do that where it can be invested, but still be liquid, right? So there's, so there's a, mm. a whole bunch of different ways you can go and, and making sure that the plan is specific to you is, as we continue to say, the most important part. Mm. Mm. And I would suggest if you're listening and you're saying, geez, I don't know what my purpose is and, you know, I haven't taken time to really think through that part, you know, even after listening perhaps to the first episode and still saying, wow, you know, I am at a place where I'm not in debt. I'm in a decent place. How do I find my purpose? How do I find that? Are there tools? Are there questions? Is there a process by which I can do that? Have you developed stuff around that, uh, Sean, yourself? Or? Yeah. So I have a process that I use with all my clients when they come in to go through a set of questions and a conversation. And a lot of time it's, it's tandem together, right? Whether it's one-on-one or the couple or a couple of people from the business, depending on what we're trying to accomplish, and just having kind of a deeper conversation around what, what are we really trying to accomplish? What are your real goals? Mm. Not what you want me to think sitting down for the first time. Because uh, again, that can be a different conversation than where <laughs> yeah. we end up going after that. So yeah, there's definitely a process I've created to just discovering. I think it's a, sometimes you have to discover yourself. It takes time, yeah. A little bit yeah. in mm-hmm. the process and kind of understand what you don't know. Knowing what you don't know is a big part of making decisions. And when you're dealing with money and you're dealing with uh, all the options that are out in front of you, there's a lot of ways to go with it. So kind of doing that early work and and going through a set of questions, which I think we'll share in the class. I'll, you know, Mm -hmm. share that with what we're doing on that end. So you guys can utilize that to help people move forward to the next step. Even if they're doing a DIY version of all this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because I could see people you know, taking this and listening to this and saying, yep, but aren't there, isn't there like a right way, (laughs) one right way of doing all Mm. of this? And Mm. I think that's an exit. That's a big question for a lot of people, particularly on the younger side. You're, I remember this vividly, like, isn't there like a, a right way? And so we look to authority figures who so, you know, this is the way you should invest your money. This is how you should go about life. And you're saying, again, this is why I, I want to come back to this because it's so outside the way that we normally think. If you're at a place where you have positive cash flow, where you're not in, in debt and you're wondering that, like, what do I do? There is no one right way. It really is your path, your journey. And so that is something that's really d- tough to shake. <laughs> It's like, there's an expert out there, who knows, who's got the answers. Mm. Not really. There's, there are guides, there are sages yes. along the, the journey, the hero's journey. But watch out for the ones that tell you. <laughs> this is the way. This is the this way. Is the yeah. only The way. only way, yeah. 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 Well, it's the opposite, because we're in the debt episode last time, we're talking, hey, if you're in debt, there's only two ways out. Yep. You got to spend less, you got to make more. This is the only two ways out. But then as soon as you're coming to this ground, all of a sudden it's like, oh no, there's millions of paths. And I remember talking to a mentor about this and just being like, well, you know, I kind of, I don't know if this is right, but I want to do this and I want to do this. And he's like, I don't have that dream. Like, that's your dream. It's like, not everyone has that. So you're, you have to customize it to that level. He's like, and freeing me to know that that's a good thing. Yeah. Cause like, I'm going to have a higher risk tolerance than some. 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to need to explore more. I have to create more. It's just going to be part of it. I'm not looking for the slow and steady wins the race, but some, for somebody else, that is absolutely the right answer. And so you, it's so hard because at this point it's like, we're, we're having a podcast that is for public consumption, <laughs> but now we're getting to a level that is so personal and specific that you have to, you know, be in a class, uh, with you, with Sean, or you have to meet with them, somebody one-on-one -on -one in order to actually get to the point where they're, they're customizing this. But because this is the phase though, it is both freeing and overwhelming to yes. dream. Mm. And this is dream time, dream stage. That's what's so cool though. And we're in a world, we're in a country where that's possible, where you can do this. In some other areas of the world, that's not possible. But if you're here, what a gift, what an opportunity. And it's really a terrifying, but it is terrifying at the same time. So yeah. it is. I think I'm always wary of do these three things. Yeah. Learn the five steps. Do you want to know exactly how much money you need to retire tomorrow? For right. everyone needs this number. And again, I can tell you, no one is on the same number. There's no flat answer. There's no one way. There's a million ways to slice yeah. it. I have clients that live on 30000 a year in retirement and clients that live on 250000 plus a year in retirement, right? So you have everyone in between and there's a lot of ways to get there and they're spending on totally different things. Yeah. So there's no one route to get to the right answer. It, it really does have to be customized. And that's should be freeing, but it is, like you said, also scary, I feel like. So part of what I do is help them navigate a little bit of that fear. I'm like, yeah. are we doing the right thing? <laughs> uh, what's the right thing? Yeah. <laughs> well, is yeah. it consistent with what you really want? I always think of this, this parable I heard about the guy who had the little fishing boat and he lived on, he lived on the water and he caught enough fish each day to feed his family and, and a little bit extra to sell so that to maintain their life. And, you know, this business guy comes down and he says, you know, with a little extra work, you could have an extra boat and then you could do this and you would earn this much money. And the, the fisherman's like listening. He goes, okay, well then what? Well, then you could expand it even more. And then you could have multiple boats and multiple people working for you. And then you could have this growth business and you could own this kind of property. He's like, okay, and then what? And it just keeps getting bigger. And then you could go international and then you have this, this kind of business. And, and he goes, okay, and then what? Well, then you could, then you could retire. What would you want to do? He's like, I would have a little place by the water where I could just fish a little each day and keep enough for my family and a little extra for what I need. So it's like you could build all of this different stuff to what end that you end up right back to where you want. So it's like, where do you, where do you actually want in the, in the beginning? That's it. That's it. And, I, and I, have, I have clients that are in a position where life is what they want it to be. Yeah. Right. Where they can choose whatever path from a financial perspective. And the hard question to answer is, what path? Right. It's not what are they capable of. Right. It is kind of like settling on a path forward. So mm. that's the discovery that is internal work. And, mm. and I try to help with that along the way. That's the, you know, the coaching side for me yeah. on the knowing you, mm -hmm. knowing what you've told me, listening to you and your spouse talk, helping you kind of like take next steps forward down the path you want, even yeah. if it's been like shielded from your own mind in some weird way, you can still get there. Well, what do you do if someone thinks like, you know, I should be saving more for retirement, but what I really am interested in is like getting my private pilot's license. Cause I don't know what that could explore. I could go in these directions. So I really want to do that. Like, what do you think? 
so on my end, the question is, where, where does each of these fit in our priority list? And how are we setting aside money to accomplish those? So again, is the pilot's license going to equal becoming a pilot and getting paid to do something that is going to add to the wealth down the road that leads to retirement versus putting into retirement? Yes, that'll lead to getting wealth, but will that have the career and lifestyle I care about? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is no, then it's a simple answer. Mm. Yeah. Move towards your pilot's license. That's easy. Right. So it, again, that's the long-term stepping back and looking at the big picture. Yeah. And then whittling it back into this decision. Right. So it's that's where that having that big roadmap and the long-term strategy and what you care about and what you want mm. sets the table so that those decisions actually become very easy over time. Yeah. Maybe not initially, but over time it becomes a lot simpler to answer. So it does, it does get easier. It does. Like the more you get into these decisions, you start. The better you know yourself and the better you know what you want out of life, the easier the decisions become. So how do you confront this issue? Because I know when people get to this, they're like, but I shouldn't want dot, dot, dot. Mm. And that's where I can use the financial modeling system to show them why not. Why shouldn't you want that dot, dot, dot if it fits within the budget and the plan and everything we have. So I have a, again, I have a client retired at like 52, okay? I shouldn't want to retire at 52. I should work until dot, 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 okay? In this job that is okay. I don't yeah. love it. It's okay. I, c- I could do it if I need to, but I shouldn't. And there was a lot of fear and a lot of like mm. pushing the wrong way versus stepping into something else he would want to do and not being burdened from a financial perspective. Mm. So like modeling it out and showing him what life could look like, change the picture and let him feel comfortable to make the move that he cared about and wanted in life, even though it felt like a shouldn't because of what, again, society is almost pushing in on you from uh, here's what it should look like for everyone, right? Right. Yeah, and if anything, I want keep people to hear from this this theme is like the dreams like of where to go from here, it can't really be externally determined. Because if you go that route, then you you will end up fulfilling someone else's dream and then you'll end up presenting it. And I, I, I seen that and it's, that's terrifying. I coached a client early on who, who did exactly that. He mentioned so many things. He said, I, I, I became a top level swimmer in college. I became a concert pianist. I, you know, listing all these successful accomplishments. Mm. And here he was in his later 50s saying, and I have led this organization. I'm the president of that organization. And then saying, and I hate it all. There hasn't been anything that I've done mm. that I actually wow. loved. And I asked him, what's his dream? He said, I would love to support other people and cheer them on and empower them to get to those places. Mm. That makes me the happiest. Not being the guy on stage, but helping people get on stage. That I love. I love people getting to live out their dreams. That's what I want to do. I want to support people. And uh, so each person's direction, and this is this is why somebody listening to this might say, well, what dream? I don't have a dream. I, I mean, my dream is so simple. I'm, I'm simple as like, I just want to be comfortable. You know, well, get great. I literally coached somebody the other day on this. You want to be comfortable? Yeah. Okay. You, what, what else? <laughs> I want to feel connected. Okay, great. You want to feel connected to people? Yes. That's a big value of mine. Great. What does that look like to you? And what are you doing when you're feeling connected? Mm. And as we started down that path, it's like, well, I like playing. I like having fun. Like, that's a big thing for me. It's like having fun with something. Great. 
what are you doing? Are you doing anything currently that you're, no, I'm not. I'm gonna, okay, so there's a disruption for you in actually changing your lifestyle to move towards that thing that you really desire. But it's funny how the starting point was like, I don't have anything big. Mm. So yeah, but as you dig, your big is not because you're comparing yourself to other people. They're mm. big is like, I want to be CEO of this company. I want to make, uh, you know, millions. I want whatever that. Yeah, yeah. But you're comparing it to the, it's, it's not the comparison you're to make. This is why there's this whole problem with social media today and, and the comparison of lifestyles. Like I need to look like this. I need to be this way. And it's really about tuning into, even if yours seems so small, so insignificant to you, embarrassing maybe in some ways. And I actually think that the deeper you go, the more there is risk in that. And that's what feels, that's what you can feel a little embarrassed, a little fearful of actually communicating. I would like to paint. Mm. I like painting. I like, I'd like to have a, a little house on a lake, you know. I don't want a lot. This is what I want. And so you can feel like yours is too small, insignificant, or it can feel very vulnerable just communicating that. And that makes a lot of sense to, to us as we've coached people. That's, yeah, we, we get that. And that's why I think finding someone to coach you in general is a healthy habit. As an eight, it's harder for me to find people I want to be coached by because I like <laughs> controlling my outcomes. But I know that about myself. So I yeah. have people that I've put in places to say, I need you here mm -hmm. in this place to help me. And I think that's such an important thing to have someone walk you through questions that may be hard to deal with. Yeah. Or you might have barriers uh, in dealing with it, whether that's with money, like what we're talking about today, or other subjects, right? Like just having someone in your corner to work you through a lot of this internal stuff is a very healthy exercise, which hopefully a lot of the, your listeners are, are doing today because they're listening, right? right? They're, yeah, yeah. they're working on some of these. Well, I think this will get the conversation, you know, going maybe in a, at a deeper level for many uh, who are listening to this. And, and again, you know, this is why we're doing this and why we're having this class is that, you know, this is part of how you can move to your next, you know, the, the self-discovery of what your, your real purpose is, your, your own internally constructed purpose. And again, it's an evolving thing to then how do I make that work in the real world, in the practical financial world. How do I get take steps yeah. to get to this, what feels like a pipe dream? Yeah, yeah. But putting practical steps to it makes it a, a possibility. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, over the last few years, I've really been paying a lot of attention to the stories of older people that seem really happy to me. And a couple examples is, uh, there's one guy in my life, it was... You know, he was like 52, retired, moved. This is, you know, obviously a long time ago before all the stuff in Ukraine now, but moved to Ukraine. Mm. Him and his wife moved to Ukraine. They lived there for the better part of nine years, learned Russian and did leadership development because that's what they cared about. You know, and they did that from their like early 50s to early 60s. And then they stopped that and they went on and did he, – then he started a consulting business and did that for a while. And then he kind of like left that so that he could do uh, – invest in people, like more mentoring role. And I was just like, this is why you've moved in these different directions. You've like followed what really matters to you. Mm -hmm. And I, I know other people who, you know, they left one career and then they decided they wanted to start this other business – the guy who uh, owns my jujitsu gym, he had a, like a, a long career. He stopped that. He started another business. He sold that. And now he has this gym that's just, it's fun for him. Like, but you, you wanted to own a gym? Like, yeah. I know another person, she was in corporate world, retired and started a preschool. Mm. 
But it's just like when you're intentional, there is so much this freedom. And so I've now met so many of these people in my life that I'm like, you seem, you seem like pretty content with your life. And it's like they, they pursued stuff that they were interested in. They dropped things quickly that weren't working. So they left things that were, mm. was not meeting the goal that they wanted to do. And they were really good at leaving, mm. which is <laughs> I, I'm more and more admiring because that is they're, they're really constructing all of this life. But they wouldn't have been able to do that without these components, without, without the component of this being really aware. Like because it is absolutely untrue when people say that, well, you know, wealthy people, that's because they're greedy. The most generous people I know are are very wealthy and they do things privately and they enjoy and celebrate doing the facts and figures and making the deals and doing the business and getting things right. They love that, but they also love being generous. I talked in that last episode about when I lost my job and one of these people just was like, uh, here's your mortgage for next month. Like it was nothing because of the freedom that they had created over time. And I've seen that now so many times. I'm just like, you know, that happiest people I know who are older were the most intentional in doing this work when they were younger. Yeah, no, that's, and that's powerful because I mean, the, the clients that I deal with day to day that have what I, what I'll call like an it factor early on. Okay. So not the, reti- let's leave the retirees out. Let's just talk about the younger crew for a second. Mm. The ones that have, decided to be intentional and decided to move forward with this, like, I want this to matter. Mm-hmm. And they move forward with this intention and they make the changes required are in a spot that a lot of the retirees would kill to be in at that age. Mm-hmm. So I have found like a growing group of younger clients that are doing things that are well beyond their years That's fantastic. of decision-making mm-hmm. and they've been open and willing to do the work that the work we're talking about, when I go through this planning process, this is a 12-month process Yeah, that, that takes a lot of time and a lot of energy, right? And so a lot of people are like, ah, I don't know if I have time for that, right? Mm-hmm. So like the people that are moving forward and doing the work and making the decisions are, are at such a good spot early on, regardless of their income, regardless of if they're top-tier income level or not, because they're, they're planning and reaching a lifestyle they care about, they're in a good spot all around. And that's been fun to see for me. Not even just the retirees, just the, yeah. the young people making making these decisions early on is really, um, really exciting. Mm. Yeah. And I think that is what's exciting. And that's what I would want for people to hear and people to move towards is going like, this is no one else's life. No one else can tell you how to dream it. You want to own a small amount and make less so that you can spend four months out of the year rock climbing? Great. Do you want to generate a ton of income and start different businesses and, and invest and own real estate? Great. What actually makes you celebrate your life? Hmm. Because if you're doing anything but, you will actually become a resentful and untrustworthy person. Hmm. At this point, I do not trust people if they have not prioritized joy because their decision-making sucks. <laughs> And so that's what the standard I'm wanting to hold myself to. There's a little, there's a little something behind that. (laughs) A little little, little something, something. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's because I'm putting it on myself, you know, Mm. and it's that like, if I'm not prioritizing joy and moving in that direction, I like, I don't trust my own decision making. Mm. And so I want to move more and more towards that direction. I love that. And And those are the people we are all drawn to. 
totally. the people that love what they do. It's not the person that's like, I hate my job. I hate who I work with. But I make a lot of money. I don't want to go home to the kids. Oh, right? yeah. The people that say oh, those things gosh, to you, yeah. I mean, personally, when people are, that's the response I get. Yeah. I'm like, great. No, exactly, right? So I, I have somebody who uh, who reached out, a few people that have reached out to us in, in the past few months asking of us, like, how do you... How do you start coaching? How do you get into that? And through the certification program that that I ran from January uh, to April, that's that was one of the questions. Is how do you get into this? You know, what helps you? What makes you good? I said, number one thing is, I actually love what I do. <laughs> <laughs> and totally, pe- that's the first thing. Do you like coaching? Because if you don't like it, your clients will see it. Yep. So, and I said, the love of your job will cover a multitude of sins. Like yeah. you can <laughs> screw up a million ways. Yeah, but because you love it. That that just people are drawn to that. Yeah. I mean, I I can spot immediately anyone who uses the phrase same shit different day. I'm like, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I will never hang out with you. Yep. We will never well, be friends. How do you even have a conversation after that? It's, you know, it's just it's just going down. Because you're yeah. part of that. You're I'm part like, of the shit for the bye. different day. <laughs> <laughs> you're part of the shit. I love it. <laughs> uh, so, you know, never use that phrase. Yeah. Like, never. Uh, because if you ever hear yourself, you need to change everything about, <laughs> you know, your Something's life. off. Something, something major is off yeah. and you got to make a change. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I am audacious enough to believe we're actually supposed to enjoy this ride. Yeah, I agree. And I think we're all drawn to that. Going back to, I, I am drawn to people that are hungry yeah, for life, not for the things I'm hungry for, right. or just they love their kids and they want to be around their kids more, or yeah. they love giving back in, in a certain charity, or they love mm-hmm. going to work every day and whatever it is that they're doing, when they love it, yeah. I am drawn to that person. It, I want to be around that person. That is, you know, there was a guy that yeah, I used to, he used to run sound. He was an older gentleman, probably in his seventies at the time. And he was running sound, long retired. And uh, this was at this church I attended. And uh, he always was so interested in life. So interested that he was like, you know, Joel, I, uh, why don't you come by my studio? So I show up at his, it's in his house. And it is not a place I would ever want to spend more than five minutes. And it just is absolutely jammed. There was no wall space. There was cabinets. And, and it was this incredibly chaotic, messy space. And he was happy as pie. Is this the guy, guy like circuit like, boards everywhere and stuff? Circuit boards everywhere. Okay. So yeah, I've told you about this guy. Circuit boards everywhere. He starts telling me how he loves inventing stuff mm. for companies that reach out to him and they have a problem they can't solve. And he gets into it. I have zero interest in circuit boards. <laughs> I'm telling you that I didn't like the space because it was chaotic. Because to tell you, like, there was nothing appealing about anything. Not what he was doing, not his space that he and was he in. Loved it. But he loved it. Yeah. And because of that, I loved being around him. Yeah. It, it is it's so it, it's so true that when you love something, it just has this magnetism to it. And it changes how you interact with your environment. I have a mm. one of my mentors was a professor of mine. And then I've like attached myself to him afterwards. And it all centered on one moment. So smart guy, knows a lot about a, a lot of different things. Great, great at conversation. But I didn't talk to him a lot one-on-one until one day. I was talking with classmates, having a conversation, and class starts, and he says, Sean, see me after class. And I was like, oh, no, what did I do? I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> Come up after class, right? It's just me and him standing there. He was like, hey, I printed out these three options for graduate school for you that I heard overheard your conversation and heard your interest. Here are some that are in Chicago, because I know you're from there, even though we're in Florida. And there was so much detail 
and like that he was paying attention and he cared. Wow. The fact that he cared blew, just blew my mind how he was like in a class of so many people and what was happening that he paid attention. And we didn't have the one-on-one relationship at the time. Just kind of blew me away about when someone does care about what they're doing and they love what they're doing, they have a different intention and they can mm. leave a much bigger impact yeah. on yeah. the world around them. So I care, I've carried that forward since that moment. And he's a mentor for other reasons beyond that. But yeah. that reason alone showed me something that was really important just in life. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like the theme of the first episode was this like ground level, like values, priorities, like what actually matters. You got to get into it. And that's like some gritty work. And even like getting out of the debt out of the hole is like, that's, that can be some gritty work, you know, that's, that's like hustle. It's, it's like, you know, but this is like, Hey, let's dream. This is like beyond values. This is like absolute like joy, wonder, awe, that's the point of this next stage of your life, like financially, is that's what we're trying to move towards. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And so I think that gives us that gives us today and this episode. And this is great because your your dreams are actually holy. N- and nobody else wants that. Like Joel, I love that story because you don't want to sit in that guy's dream, but that guy loved his dream. Mm. And nobody else's is yours. Like the thing that you want, the dream that you have, the desire you have doesn't look like anyone else's. And someone else's life might even appeal to you, but if you did it, you wouldn't actually like the process. You might like the product, but you don't like the process. So what is the process that you would actually love to be in? Because if you can start getting this stuff right, man, all of the other pieces can start coming together. And that is good. So thanks for joining us, and I hope that this episode does encourage you to dream, but dream with intention and dream with plan, even if you are like me and that doesn't come extremely naturally and you do have to uh, work at that a bit, but it's worth it. So we would love to have you join us for this class that Sean is teaching following this podcast series in August. And you can do that at theartofgrowth.org. You can also sign up for our newsletter there as well as schedule coaching calls, reach out to us about corporate coaching, and take a free Enneagram test or Instincts Variance test there. But for now, my friends, dream. And as Bono says, dream out loud with your life, with your calendar and your checkbook, where you can see what you're really building. With your time, with your energy, build well and dream well toward what you want to build in this, your one wild life. It is beautiful and it is good and no one else can make it happen. So come along and live into it. Grace and growth, my friends.